0: welcome back to the tft podcast i'm matt that's ryan hi ryan hey matt and that's jordan hi jordan
1: hey matt and ryan
2: what om3
0: <laughs> right, yeah, we're uh, uh, we we uh, we got we got Stokes back. We've been in talks with his people ever since he used to podcast with us about Glee. When we dropped Glee, uh, Jordan was infuriated and sent us a strongly worded letter through his agent saying that that he would never work with us again. But we uh, we're we're delighted to uh, to have uh, to have Jordan back to talk about some music. So, Jordan, you you uh, brought brought this. I idea up um and it was really exciting and and we wanted to do it but i guess you've been following the current season of the the tft podcast
1: i have been yeah it's uh i've really enjoyed it a lot oh and thank you. like like every letter that any agent says the one that sends the one that my agent sent turned out to be a lie so I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was eager to find some kind of music that i could come on and talk about right
0: Absolutely. Hey, you've been uh, you've been keeping up with Glee just uh, just as a little sidebar. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Oh, good. Um, So. uh, So, Jordan, I think you should set the stage, given that that you were really the origin of uh, of this idea. Um, What are we going to talk about today and what what uh, what led you to think about it in the context of what you've been hearing in the conversation so far?
1: Um, so we're going to be talking about Betty Davis, uh, the, not the actress, but the, the funk musician, um, and Betty
2: with a Y then rather than with an E.
1: Yeah. Bet
0: Y, Bet Y Davis in the spirit of Traversha's.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Although, really, what you cool. need to do is type in open, like open quotation mark, Betty with a Y, Davis, close quotation mark, I'm serious, Google, not the actress. <laughs> and then you'll find her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that'll tell you she's a little bit obscure, uh, but, but quite important, I think. And we're going to talk in particular about her, her initial self titled album, Betty Davis. And then there's a handful of other songs that we might talk about. Um, and about her her attempts at having a music career back in the the late seventies, um, and some some seriously funky music. The reason that I thought about it is that uh, we were having conversations in the back channel about like stuff I might come on to talk about, and I, I think it was it was one of you guys probably either one or the other of you uh, who who wrote and said, "Well, what kind of bands?" Do you know from like the 70s and 80s that are worth talking about? Because you guys had flashed back to the Beatles and the Beach Boys, and you were getting to that like 70s era. And Betty Davis is like one of the people from the 70s that I really care about, so that's why I thought of her, and, and really no other reason. But then the fact that you guys talked about Stevie Wonder um, in last week was very, very significant uh, or significant apropos. And I think also in a in an odd and t- totally musically disjunct way carol king is a very interesting touch point here
2: oh awesome um i guess i mean I, i'm not sure I, I don't even know where to start right, yeah because
0: for wouldn't... for carol king pet sounds means the sounds of her cat for betty davis <laughs> <laughs> for betty davis it means heavy pet sounds
2: yeah it means the sound of like striking a man with a like turquoise whip
1: <laughs> Right So yeah Then there's the sexuality thing Which uh, you can You can go And and Miley Cyrus it too If you want to Yeah
2: Um, And even I think that And then uh, Yeah Going forward Kind of In chronological time Or kind of backwards To our You know Previous Kind of you know the the previous quarter of uh, of our syllabus uh, also kind of connects to uh Beyonce as well I think um, and in terms of both musically and in some of the kind of lyrical and substantive um, content so I think that there's you know that um betty davis is this interesting node that you know uh, as an artist con- connects to you know, both forward and backwards to a lot of what we're uh doing um and i have i have, a- I have a- another question that you can either answer now or we can answer uh collectively but um you know uh jordan this betty davis uh with her uh, fanny wiggling
1: and her, um, and her I miller shoes
2: and her eye miller shoes uh is, sh- is she for real <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I actually did prepare a few remarks on
2: that.
1: <laughs> So, on the one hand, I think that her, her persona or personas are very intensely constructed. Um, some elements of it are likely to be true, but I'm not sure that we can necessarily know from the outside which ones are. Um, especially because the persona as it's given to us is often this series of masks. Right? And like what is real, if anything is real, is the mobility and fluidity which allows her to arrange it such that she gets picked up, right? She doesn't do the picking up, she manages to get picked up, or allows her to be alternately a geisha or a dominatrix or whatever kind of sexual role she thinks is maybe just a little bit too extreme for the guy that she's with. Um, So in that sense, it's very, very fake, right? But on the other hand, What if we define realness in a different way? What if we come to uh, an apophatic understanding of authenticity where we never really know what the real is other than that it's everything the Backstreet Boys are not? Right? And then the answer becomes much more simple Because Betty Davis, as a writer who sings her own confessional lyrics As one of the most bodily singers ever recorded As a dedicated priestess of the funk and the heavy At a time when the light and the disco were in ascendance As an unapologetic, unapologetic black woman in 1970s popular culture And an unapologetic black woman in funk's particular phallosphere She is as real as is ever likely to get Or rather, it is not given for us to know Know whether or not she is real, but she is double plus unfake. If that makes any
2: sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I want to like have a like standing ovation um, <laughs> to uh, to respond to that. Um, I think that that's um, I think that that's absolutely right. I guess we can kind of unpack that as as we go uh, through because I think that there's a lot of um, what you know what you kind of delivered there was is what i kind of arrived at as i um went through uh betty davis's uh self-titled album and then some of the other um selected cuts from um the other uh really the other three albums um and i mean it's interesting because i guess you know being for me being the you know the the social scientist the uh and, and political scientist i kind of you know between the music and the kind of context and biography. And I think that, you know, in addition to the kind of artistic um, and kind of, you know, gender politics reasons that you mentioned, I think it's also important, um, you know, and and other elements of Betty Davis's realness um, are that, you know, she... Correct if I'm wrong, uh, or qualify this uh, if you if you know more about this. But also served at least on this um, first album as the producer of the album. Um, and and the way I understand producer in this sense, and uh, we've talked a little bit about production in in prior weeks, uh, you know, with with uh, especially with Brian Wilson and uh, the Beach Boys and Pet Sounds. Um, but you know, is she kind of? Put this together, she assembled the resources whether, you know, whether it 's the musical resources that this kind of all star uh, band that kind of spans you know funk and soul and rock uh, and you know put together you know the a lot of the concept um, and you know even in her you know life before she recorded this album, what I kind of understand biographically um, and this is mentioned in um you know uh, the Pitchfork review um, that you will—it's uh, mentioned, mentioned positively in the Pitchfork review. That's in um, a lot of the, um, uh, or that's in the show notes, and also uh, mentioned negatively in some of the other uh, reviews, like by Robert Christgau And it's—it's it's kind of there, even in the, just like in the Wikipedia, that she was in the '60s. You know this—this this kind of. Node this kind of connector, I think uh, is a word that uh the pitchfork review uh uses is that and you know I think a word that is not used but seems appropriate is almost I, maybe ingenue is not right, but was kind of moved in artsy circles in in late sixties uh new York uh and you know was well poised to kind of cross between not just different genres, but, you know, worlds of art and fashion and music um, and, and society of, of, of different levels. And I think that that ability to kind of put together and to be a kind of, not only a producer in the kind of most narrow senses, but in the most broad sense, a kind of cultural producer uh, or a constructor, um, I think is another way in which there's a lot of, uh, a realness here, right, and that that you know, in part, like part of what you know, it's you know that Betty Davis appears to be, you know, and I think we can interrogate this and and kind of go back and forth as we dig into the music, but like, in fact, is real because part of what she is doing is making things real, <laughs> um, and that <laughs> if, if, if that makes sense, um, and so she's real because she is, right, and and she is she is the tautology, um, and and I and, and I guess I, we can kind of unpack what what that. that. That means
1: she is the realness that she wants to see in the world. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Can I, can I raise a question though, Ryan? I mean, is she the great connector or is she just a reflector?
2: yeah that's an that's an excellent um that's an excellent question um i mean it really depends on whether you um are uh, racist and misogynist or not.
0: Um, uh, <laughs> and, i guess and, I, you know. would, I mean i a lot of what you a lot of w- what you say is really suggestive of a lot of the the themes of our show even back into the gossip girl days right yeah. because what you're what you're describing is um what you're describing is the nexus of a, of a couple of our themes, I mean, and you know it I suppose it stands to reason that that I would see them and that we would point them out because these are what our concerns are. Um,
2: yes, look at all these nails now, hand me my hammer <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> <laughs> the
0: uh the idea um. Well, the idea that it is their telos, you know, it is the telos of the girl to go wild, but also the idea of a sort of, uh, not transnational, but a sort of syncretic hipsterati, right? Um, That, where, uh, that can construct identity performatively, uh, in, in an act of production that involves, uh, a lot of, of bricolage and a lot of synthesis of, um, of those elements. And then also the sort of, the, the turn of, sort of, uh, uh, woman as object or woman as muse to sort of woman as subject and woman as kind of author of herself, uh, Right that um and
2: it is, and I mean, I said this glibly, but it is, and we you know we don't necessarily need to parse all of the kind of gender and racial politics and kind of you know intersectional uh, politics at the fusion of the two of those that are in a lot of the um, critical discourse around Betty Davis, but and maybe we should, but like I you know I think part of why I made my glib comment is that you know the you know it is the case that Betty Davis's kind of supporters and boosters um and and I'll, I think a number of these are, are folks who discovered her music after um, uh, some uh, some major re releases of the first. Two albums in 2007, um, and there I think was also a late-breaking release of the fourth album, which had been kind of scrapped um, when it was being enjoyed. You can kind of jump in if I'm getting anything wrong, or you know more details that go a little deeper than my Wikipedia-level um, recollections. Um, but uh, 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 but I, I'm recalling them. I, I read the Wikipedia and committed it to memory, and so uh, <laughs> and so that's something. Um, but that, that this kind of fourth album um was kind of scrapped uh did not make it out around the time of the recording and it was released much uh later and so that you know when these came out there was i think an increase in uh in, in press and that the the supporters and the the kind of pro Betty Davis uh, faction say oh she is this kind of she's a she's a connector she's kind of um at this moment and kind of you know engaging in this kind of you know creative act of uh, bricolage as uh, Matt says and the Negative reviews, um, both from kind of 2007, and um, I think it was the Slate review that you sent around, Jordan, uh, or even back around the time of the release of the album, um, going back to Robert Criswell, who we who we've kind of turned to more and more frequently as we um, started moving through the 70s, you know, really kind of say, you know, take the other side of, you know, to take the uh, Arcade Fire line that Matt used, say, you know, she's just a reflector that that is, you know, that she, you know, she is at best kind of a a hanger-on uh, I, I, yeah at best a hanger-on and kind of someone who's writing a name and a connection and at worst is just kind of a a, a hack or 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 something like that right and and that there's yeah. this really interesting um, hostility towards you know the notion that there's any value um, in uh, in these albums and in these songs
0: and I, do, I mean in in some of the reviews which we'll link up in in the show notes this this idea that like uh, you know I consider myself a, a fairly competent musician right and like a fairly sophisticated listener of music, not an expert, uh, you know not a professional but but someone who does it at a, as a reasonably high level and i couldn't find a ton of justification for some of the claims that were being made about supposed rhythmic and melodic deficiencies right uh in in some of the negative reviews or the mixed reviews that 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 we read like i i thought that like no she's great they they're just not hip to what she's laying down you know
1: yeah i mean her her voice is definitely harsh right and i feel like a lot of the the positive press says that um I don't know. I feel a little uncomfortable about it because I feel like for some of the people who are real Betty Davis fans, if her career hadn't sort of gone nowhere back in the 70s, they would need to travel back in time and dynamite it in order for her to be what they need her to be, right? That like, that she's too real and too raw and too dirty and too awesome for for the man to take and that therefore her career doesn't take off and uh, and she sort of vanishes. Or, this- or they Just have to go far enough back that they could like her
2: before she was cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right, (laughs) right. Um, But yeah, yeah. The point is taken. Right, go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Oh no, so that uh, that yeah, that like that she's she's too raw, and then the people who don't like her see the rawness as a defect because they want someone who sounds a little bit more like I don't know. a little bit more like like Shaka Khan or like La Belle or whatever the other model of a female funk vocalist would be like. Whereas if you had to pick a, a funk vocalist, that she's going to sound like James Brown is probably the most obvious touchstone. Right. Where again, like you're not going to look at at James Brown and be like, well, you know, he doesn't hit the high notes, right? His voice cracked. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that raspy, yeah, what is that raspy stuff that's all over his,
1: that's all over his
0: singing? Uh,
2: the other no, thing I know, and it makes me, I mean, it, as I was reading those reviews, and I, I, this had occurred to me even before I, um, you know, read the negative reviews, I mean, it's it's like saying, oh, oh, these, these sex pistols would sure be a swell band if they could only sing in key, right, yeah. like, um, <laughs> and, and that, you know, as I listened to some of the, um, you know the 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 vocals and and you you even get it on the first uh, song of the um of her first album of on uh, if i'm in luck i might get picked up you know that she she kind of maxes out her voice at several times and do, you know uses it in a lot of different ways um it, you know whether it's a growl or a hiss or a shout um and You know, a lot of the references that I thought of vocally were much more even in the world of punk and post punk. Um, There's actually a lot, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, through listening to all these and reading descriptions of live shows, it's always one of the like main kind of Comparators, at least performatively And kind of as a vocalist This reminded me of Is um, is Tim Harrington from the band Les Savi Fav uh, Who, um, you know Jordan knows, and we can link maybe I'll see if I can find a video uh, A representative live video um, But this is a large, large bearded man Who fronts a pu- post-punk <laughs> band Who is is known for For shouting and Uncomfortable sexuality And, yes. uh, and costumes um, And so, like like, you know th- in some ways there's a ways in which that like Betty Davis is post punk before there was ever a punk um, yeah. and and <laughs> you know and 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 similarly like you know there's different times where like f- um funk gets re either funk gets reinjected into gets reinjected into punk um and you know the lasavi Favre is one iteration of this um, and but earlier Bands like gang of uh Gang of four in the uh I guess late seventies early eighties and then you know red hot chili Peppers there's all these times where there's attempts to um, merge um funk with punk but i i really see there being elements of you know you know different elements of punkness really there in the in this performance style um and and uh, and and yeah and and so and I know uh, i it was interesting for me to come to this because I knew basically none of the material until you sent you know I didn't know Betty Davis's music at all before you sent it along Jordan, so I kind of went in engaged with the music, and then kind of got some of the critical stuff um and and so some of these intuitions were there just because what I had coming into it, I have you know a lot larger of a library of you know. You know, a library of norms, as uh, you know, we've said before, to approach kind of punk music and, and rock based music um, and a much smaller kind of vocabulary when it comes to, to funk. But in some ways, this was totally intelligible using that lexicon. And then I could kind of fill in some of the gaps, knowing what I do know about um,
1: funk and soul music. Sure. Another good uh, kind of uncanny vocal doppelganger for it is especially on some of the later material. Like there's one song off of the the fourth album, which is recorded, I think, in like 73 and then sits in a studio vault and was never available to anyone uh, during all of the 1980s, all of the times when, like, when hip-hop is developing. But you listen to this song, uh, Stars Starve. Where there's nothing you can say About what she's doing there You can't call it singing You have to call it rapping That's like what it is clearly And uh, they always say that that uh, They call him the old dirty bastard Because there is no father to his style yeah. But I feel like there there might have been a mother That he <sighs> was separated at birth And like never heard um, <laughs> And it's yeah. just like Such a weird spectral thing I'm like That's gotta be It's like ODB slash mystical Slash one of those rappers like that Anyway
2: Yeah, Um, absolutely. Um, Well, I have actually a question, maybe to kind of circle back to actually the question that um, Matt asked at the beginning, and then I promptly derailed, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then to reclaim it, I guess as you know, um, you know, as someone who does know the kind of library of norms and or vocabulary and kind of um, you know both kind of uh, lyrical and musical traditions that are kind of part of. Uh, you know the broader context um, that uh, Betty Davis was working in. I mean, what what is useful from that kind of um, kind of body of, of music that we d- haven't necessarily had in play so much um, yet that is useful in starting to get a, um, um, a foothold in to how to um, understand uh, you know this album and, and Betty Davis uh, as an artist more generally.
1: So, like saying, starting from funk music, what makes Betty Davis special in that context, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah it 's really interesting. I feel like for me i I found out about Betty Davis like towards the end of uh, of like my time in college, and i uh, I had a sort of weird relationship with funk music because I grew up playing a brass instrument, which meant that, like, all of my friends who played guitar were in bands and I sort of couldn't be. And there was ska, but, like, who really wants to be in a ska band? Um, and I had read about funk and that it's supposed to be this, like, awesome, rhythmic, bass-driven music um, with a lot of brass in it. And I bought some CDs, and I was always like a little bit disappointed with it because it was a little bit too too light, a little bit moving towards disco. And disco is always like one pole of the funk universe. Um, what were? What were? Do you remember like what so, some
2: of the albums or artists were that you bought that didn't quite scratch the funk itch?
1: Yeah, so I got like uh, I got Parliament. And Parliament is this famously bifurcated band. You have the Parliament side, which is funk, and Funkadelic, which is more of like a heavy metal band with, uh, with some good bass lines. Um, and I found that I really liked the Funkadelic stuff better. I came to appreciate Parliament a lot more, but it was always like it was never quite... Insistent enough, never quite like uh, aggressive enough, and I feel like there was a, a Betty Davis shaped gap in my musical like taste. That when I finally sort of encountered her, I was sort of like, "Oh right, this is this is like the stuff that I wanted it to be all along." Hmm. Um, so it's like it's much more raw, I think, than a lot of the funk out there. Especially if you look at another band like Earth, Wind, and Fire, which was always kind of like the the more y version to the the quote-unquote realer sound that, uh, that even Parliament has. Now, I love Earth, Wind & Fire, but uh, you can understand why their music is used in Gap ads, and Betty Davis is not likely to be anytime soon, right? Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting in terms of funk is that uh, when you look at it, it's, it's almost exclusively a male-driven music, Um, And there's lots of, like, machismo that goes along in it. Not necessarily sexism, because the lyrics are usually just kind of, um, you know, uh, free association, uh, doggerel almost. There's not a lot of very important lyrics in funk, although you can find bands where that's less true. Uh, But it's male singers and male creative artists that people talk about. So, like, James Brown, George Clinton, um... I can't remember the name of the guy who's sort of the the brains behind Earth, Wind, and Fire, but it's all men. Um, And then you have women who are kind of like they are either backup singers or they like sing to lead the band occasionally, but it's like they have their feature number and then they go back to the background. So there's a singer who worked with James Brown named Lynn Collins, who like, she has a song called mama feel good, which is a fantastic song. Um, and it's really, really good. And, uh, one of the best funk songs that's out there, but she never had a career fronting her own band. She was like the singer who went around with James Brown and sang mama feel good. And a couple of other songs that like, were written for her to step to the front and sing. So, Betty Davis is interesting politically from that point of view coming from within funk. Now, this is um one more thing and then I'll stop just like talking and talking. Uh the first album, she actually wasn't the producer on, she was the producer on the following 3. With the first album, the producer is a uh, Greg erico who's the drummer for Sly and the Family Stone. Got it. Got it. And uh, and we talked a little bit about like the fact that it's a supergroup, and it's kind of an astonishing supergroup. So it's like the drummer and bass player from Sly and the Family Stone, um, the guitarists from Santana and Journey. Right, and, like Neil Schoen, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then the Pointer Sisters, who are like a very important sort of soul group on their own, uh, are the backup singers on the album. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple of the people that are on there that are so important. And one of the, the criticisms that's around there floating somewhere, I I was trying to track this down, but I definitely remember reading it when I first got into her, Um, is somebody saying that, like, oh, well, of course that first album sounds great, because it's Gregorico is producing, and Larry Graham is the bass player, so, you know, of course that's going to be funky. But then her second album is, you know, she's taking control of it, she doesn't have this amazing cast of super friends, and it's a giant disappointment. And, I mean, you guys can speak to this, you listen to tracks off of all four of the albums, there's not a big sonic difference between album one and album two, right?
2: No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, it, it, I think that if there is a difference, it's that there is actually more variety in album one. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of like, um, like in some ways, the the like albums two and three kind of take the. The, the most kind of groove Oriented um, songs Like uh, songs like Kind of um, If I'm in luck uh, Or like maybe like Your Man My Man And or like the kind of Especially if I'm in luck the most kind of like Slower groover Like th- kind of thicker If that makes sense um, mm-hmm. uh, Songs and kind of do different Versions of that but at a very high level And I think what's really interesting As I um, you know I mean, part of how I, uh, you know, prepare for any episode is I listen to the album on repeat for days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, around the time, I don't know, like 20 of them listening to the album, you know, in the first couple of listens, the, you know, there's a couple jams that stick out. And those are most like the later stuff, like If I'm in Luck and Anti Love Song and Your Man, My Man. Um, and, and, but then as you kind of, listen and you you listen to the songs in between kind of this big tent poles, you hear a lot of different variations in in kind of tempo in in kind of the the in in kind of rhythm and in kind of like the rhythmic emphasis and in the ways in which there's like interplay between the parts of the band so i think that there is i i mean I if i'm wrong I and mean, I've, I've listened to the full albums Less, I've listened to more of like the tent, you know, the, the tent poles, uh, songs from the other albums. But my sense is that there's a little less, you know, uh, to you know, use statistical terms, there's a little less variance on the later albums, but the mean is like as high, uh, in terms of, uh, quality or, or kind of, you know, funkiness or something like that.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. And I feel like, um, it's something that actually I didn't pick up on so much until I went and looked at the Christgau review, where he says that like, oh well, she's going to do heavy metal funk because she is like personally connected with Miles Davis and Jimi Hendrix or something like that, and he says, well, it's it's so obvious, this is such a hype product, um, and I hadn't really processed the the rock metal side of album one, because again, like I said, I sort of came to her looking for a funk band, right? But going back and listening to it again, um, there's some songs on there. Game is My Middle Name, I think, in particular, is like, is a very rocky kind of song. Yeah. And you don't really get that so much on uh, on the rest of the albums. Probably, yeah. I, I would guess that that's uh, the Greg Erico influence to a certain degree. Because if you go and listen to Sly and the Family Stone, they were always, in my mind, like a funk band with a rock drummer. And, uh, like, he, he's good, but it's a very kind of square, four-on-the-floor sound that Eriko tends to put out. So I, I kind of wonder yeah. if that might be his influence, which uh, creates a more varied experience on album yeah, and, one. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, Miller Shoes has that kind of rock, kind of, I mean, that has a very kind of four-on-the-floor kind of uh, vibe as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So talk, I, can you talk about that i, I don 't know i want to actually I want to ask a question in all seriousness ryan when you 're doing that because when I put songs on repeat repeat like I, I get to know the songs sonically, but their titles um, elude me because i don 't like check the phone every you know every three <laughs> minutes uh, to to like register what the title of the the new sonic event that i'm i 'm experiencing is right like at what point does consciousness of of like song titles uh, come into your come into your experience.
2: Um, okay, so I think that so in like our you know in in like listens like. One through four, let's say, like I, the the consciousness of like the songs that like grab my attention the most comes in, right? So like, ooh, this is a jam. What 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 is this? And you know, and I might or figure that out because of like the a lyric in the chorus uh, or just where it is in the album. Um, and so, um, and, and 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 you know, so like I you know this first listen, like you know, again, kind of if I'm in luck and um, game is my middle name, really jumped out. Like the first couple of listens And then there's like a certain level um, And this happened with the um um, we talked about this a little bit last week with the Stevie Wonder record. Then, in like you know times like four through like fifty, it's kind of just like a a, a, a circle. And 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 um, I mean, I will literally put it on repeat on iTunes or in Spotify, and it'll just keep going. Um, and it'll just keep kind of churning through. And I'll, I'll you know generally know where the you know end and beginning of the album are, um, especially on albums that have that pretty uh, pretty clearly. And then um, I'll start like trying to especially as I kind of near um, a a you know podcast time I start thinking like okay well I look at the track list and say all right which one is Walking Up the Road, um, and and I, you know, may actually intentionally listen to that. So if there's songs that I've, you know, noticed cool things in but not recognize the title, I'll do the reverse exercise where I say, okay, I want to actually intentionally listen to the song that is called this, uh, and then it puts it together to the thing that I've heard a bunch of times. Um, and, I mean, you know, this is like a – it really depends on – You know that's how I kind of mainline an album for TFT that I've not heard before, and that's it's kind of rare because like a lot of other stuff that we've um, covered is stuff that I've you know done in that way, um, you know, sort of. you know, over the span of of years or weeks or or months or whatever, Um but this kind of is the method for you know, kind of eating the bouillon cube. Um, just, <laughs> like, all right, here we go. Arm. Um, yep. All right. There, that's a stew.
0: Um. <laughs> that's that that's that's interesting. I hope everyone finds it interesting because my well we've talked about it a little bit my experience of listening listening to records is so so different from yours i can't do it really while i'm concentrating on on other things i'm actually more likely to put on like netflix television shows to put on like house of cards in the background uh while i'm working than uh than to listen to music um just cuz i'm so susceptible to to getting distracted by by sound um is there is there uh a- any point in explaining when we say like four on the floor what what we mean by by those things or or into sort of getting into getting into a little bit technically some some of uh some of the features of funk uh so that someone whose library of norms doesn't include a ton of of funk music might um might understand it like let me let me uh let me like say some things and jordan tell me if i'm tell me if i'm an idiot or not yeah
1: sure yeah (laughs) So Your first idiotic thing was giving me that license (laughs) Yeah, can I also play this game?
0: (laughs) It's uh, Right, it's a highly syncopated 16th note groove With uh, With generally Like very busy bass lines Um, Power trio Plus horn section, instrumentation Keyboards are kind of optional But not required and, uh, and they tend to be built on, they tend to be built on, uh, rhythmic harmonic groups that repeat over and over and over.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Although, you know, the horn section is also optional. Totally right? optional, uh, right. And, uh, what else would I say? To, to say that, like, the bass line is busy is like, it, it can be, it doesn't have to be. Um, I think really the, the thing that makes it what it is is uh first of all that it's going to be syncopated like you said which means that um if you take I don't know, is, is this too much detail to go into? That no. if you are like, one, two, three, four, and then you break that up into 16th, and there's, like, one E and a, two E and a, three E and a, four E and a... In funk, you're going to have things other than the one, two, three, and four getting prominent uh, musical events on them. Um, so, like, the, the closer you get to just one, two, three, four, the more you are doing four-on-the-floor stuff. Um, and, like, right, the four, more other stuff, yeah.
0: Four-on-the-floor refers to, like, a bass drum pounding out four beats on the... Uh, on the main beats of a, of a measure, right? Like in, I don't know, old big band jazz music or something, something like that, where you just hear that, you hear that low thump, uh, as the sort of the, the heartbeat of the sound in an extremely regular, extremely regular, uh, 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 pattern, and it we we use it to refer to music that isn't even technically four on the floor, but it it has to do with like rhythmic regularity and and hearing the hearing the beats strongly instead of hearing the um, uh, instead of hearing off beats uh, strongly. Yeah. And I guess by a busy bass line, I guess what I meant was that it's not like, you can imagine any number of rock songs where the bass line is like, You know what I mean? Where it's just like, just hitting the tonic, and they seem, the funk bass lines seem to be more melodic, right? Like, seem to be not just establishing, like, the 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 root of the the current harmony, but but kind of adding melodic elements and, and transitions and, and a lot of character in that space, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, like, usually a funk bass line. Like, you can sing on its own and have it be a decent melody, and very often they'll do things where they're sort of, like, sliding off and on the chord so that, like, if... um if, if, uh, take like the, the bass line to, a uh, Sex Machine, the James Brown song, right? So, like, the, the chord tone is do do do, and then they go do 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 and that little dip down and then sliding back up to it creates some of the, the rhythmic interest of it. Cool. Um, uh,
2: and I think that yeah. in on the Betty Davis album, I think a good example of that is Your Man, My Man. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it has like a really, um, you know, a bass line that that, uh, you know, exhibits that really well and kind of interplays with the rest of the ensemble. I I mean, I see that like, the bass is in some ways like, really kind of in a lead, pretty lead role in that song. Um, yeah, there's no, a yeah. number of other tracks with some really um, interesting bass lines, but that's one that always grabbed me
1: um, mm-hmm. every time I listened to it. I would also say just uh, just the the, the title track, I mean, not the title track, the lead-off track. If I'm in luck, I might get get picked up. The baseline off of that is such a like, well, it's uh it's right up there with the the hard days night chord to me. It's like yep, I, I didn't need to hear anything else. I heard that baseline and I was like, I found it. <laughs> <This
2: is good. laughs> no, absolutely, and I mean even like it's, it's a, I had a similar experience of you know in our email chain where we were discussing um you know what we might have you on to discuss. You mentioned this album. I went I. I, uh, search for it on, um, one of the many waffles. Um, uh, you know, it's some, some, some tube that could belong to you. Um, mm. and, 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 uh, as soon as I kind of, it was, it like took less than 30 seconds to be, to be th- then write another email to be saying, yes, we should do this
1: album <laughs> <Yeah>. uh,
2: <laughs> and, because it's like a similar way is that, you know, it's, it's it's there it's it's kind of it is it is manifest um and like once the song starts like that uh i, I don't know there's a i mean beyond you know kind of uh that plus your strong in, endorsement um probably uh, carried some weight but it's just it, it there's a clear kind of statement uh grand you know it, it is a grand statement of artistic intent which is you know one of the hallmarks of a lot of these um things that we've been going to that um you know are these various ways in in which the um you know you have the Indiness uh you know cohabiting with um you know the 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 popular in in some some mix or in some way um, <clears throat> so this was kind of fitting with that in a very interesting way
1: yeah uh, yeah. Not to make this podcast too much of like three of the whitest people in history explain to you what funkiness is, but other aspects that you could um, you could focus in on if you want to in the music um, is this uh, this kind of interlocking different rhythmic patterns which actually are um, they 're kind of less than the sum of the parts, I guess, because if you listen to the whole thing, um, try to listen to all of the instruments equally, you'll often get a more or less steady stream of 16th notes. Um, but if you listen to any one part, focus on the bass line, focus on the snare drum, something like that, you'll get, um, something incredibly complicated rhythmically. And I would actually recommend if people are sort of new to this kind of thing, like try to listen that way, pick one instrument to follow through the song, or at least to like to follow through this time through the chorus or whatever. Um, and you'll get a little bit more out of it that way. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing that, uh, like, I actually took a course on this, and the teacher's big, like, refrain that he kept bringing up every time is that um, the funkier the song is, the more likely it is for the melodic instruments, like the guitar, to get treated like percussion instruments.
2: That's awesome. Well, I think that fits back to some of the, I mean, I feel like a core layer of that also is, like, is the voice to be treated like um, a percussion instrument as well. right? Yeah. yeah and and i think that's i think that's absolutely right and i think that that's you know as a um as you know if i'm if i'm a a social scientist first i'm a percussionist second right so <laughs> right. after 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 i read about the socio historical context i then start drumming out rhythms <laughs> um yeah. those are pretty much my two uh tools cuz i um you know, as my uh, grandfather used to say, I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. Um, so, uh, <laughs>
1: but you could turn um, that bucket over, and then I could busk for change. And I
2: could pound out of rhythm, and I could tell you, and I could tell you about the uh, the the, the uh, you know um, uh, the material relations of production that produced that that bucket. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, and I think that that's uh, absolutely right. I mean, so here's I guess, another question to kind of, um, you know, pivot a little bit and we can kind of stay on, on, you know, the funkiness um, aspect, but...
0: Or on how white we are.
2: uh, Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, let's just gaze into... Let's let's just gaze into the milky white navel. (laughs) Um, No, but... uh, What I was going to say is that, you know... Even though we've discussed kind of the sound of um you know Betty Davis's voice and the way in which it interplays with a lot of the rest of the en- ensemble, I think there's a question then in you know how does you know what she is saying. How do the lyrics then kind of intersect with what's going on um, musically here? And and in what ways does this kind of? Because I think that how one parses that I think is really important to whether you kind of come down into is she a connector or is she um, a reflector, right? And 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 I think that for at least for me, I find there be. Um, and I think this is kind of recapitulates a lot of what Matt said um, early on. Is that there's a lot of these. Um, I, I hear a lot of themes that are. About power and are about uh, you know power as it intersects with um, you know uh, with identity and and gender uh, and race um, and and a lot of different kind of interesting songwriting perspectives that you know and uh, on you know sex and sexuality uh, and and so I see I see there being a lot of really interesting things that you know parallel um, you know the kind of the the Agency that is being, uh, you know, played with sexually or being subverted sexually uh, is also kind of, in my mind, uh, you know, parallels some of the kind of role of kind of creative you know power relations being subverted within kind of whether it's within a band or within a a genre uh or or a particular milieu but i mean for, you know, as you guys engage with this record what did you kind of see it as being about and how did you know how did the lyrics kind of connect with and 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 play with the um the 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 music to produce this
0: yeah, I mean I was thinking about I was thinking about it in terms of the, the performance of sexuality, right? Which has a two which is sort of Janice faced, right? It has like the 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 face looking towards uh uh greater agency and sort of greater greater power and sort of uh uh like an aspect of like claiming sexuality. And then there then there is is um the aspect of sort of turning it into a product and sort of commodifying it so that that the the subject is actually just kind of offering herself as you know as an object right and like just like you don't need three white dudes to talk to you about uh, funk music, you don't necessarily need a a sausage party. Uh, the main topic of which is, is misogyny, right. Or, or uh, I think we need more words than just misogyny, uh, that anti-feminism, right. Like it, it struck me like to, to what extent is this, to what extent is this, um, is this empowering, right. Um, and and if it isn't empowering, is there a problem with that? Right? Like, is my you know, is my demand that that stuff be empowering, or is is the normative claim about empowerment sort of unreasonable, um, uh, of me to 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 make?
2: Uh, I mean, I think I, I can. Are there were there specific songs that you honed in on this? Because I think another way to put this, Janice, face is I mean, this is something else that I noticed as I really kind of. Um, thought through uh, the songs is I mean especially I mean I think especially if I'm in luck I might get picked up and game is my middle name I think really interestingly play with this tension or uh, uh, kind of you know the the you know and uh, to put what you were saying in another way, domination and submission being um two sides of a, a related coin right and um you know i think another another track that's on the second um record uh that kind of you know plays the um the dominance side of that coin is uh he was a big freak right yeah. this is what we mentioned earlier about kind of you know really explicitly engaging with the discourse of um you know of of kind of um you know of of bondage and of um you know and, and and of you know uh you know sadomasochism kind of like you know that that Range of sexual activities, um, but you see, you know, especially I'm, get, you know, the the game is my middle name is all about kind of saying, you know, whatever you tell me to do, I'm up for it, right? Um, and so, you know, <laughs> and, and were those some of the lyrics that, and songs that you were kind of engaging with and trying to think about how to wrestle with
0: them? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking about like from if I'm in luck, like I was thinking about the claim of like I uh, I'm wild, I'm crazy, I'm nasty, I'm a freak, I'm, uh, or actually, I don't think freak is is. is in, uh, uh, is in, if I'm in luck, um, uh, it's him who's a freak, not me, uh, right? Like, um, because it's, uh, you know, in, in, in one, in one sense, that is like, um, uh, that 's positive it 's sort of progressive to sort of uh, be able to kind of construct your identity in the terms that you know you want to use for yourself uh, on the other hand all of right all of those things uh, involve sort of being being desirable right and like uh, um, and really she what what she 's doing is is trying to get you know trying to get picked up, which is like sort of i, I don 't know validation from uh, from from the picker up, right? Like I don't know, uh, uh, is she? You know, is she? Uh, can she pick herself up? <laughs> yeah,
1: and this is this is really interesting because you can go to to ask sort of the same sorts of questions about uh, latter day pop tarts like Britney Spears and uh, and Madonna and, uh, and Miley Cyrus and so on. Um, and I think especially lately with Miley Cyrus, that's the question, right? Yeah, like, sure. Is, is her sticking her tongue out um, a way to appeal to the male gaze and to sort of sell herself for, for cash? Or is it a way to challenge the male gaze with a, a female sexuality that it can't handle? Or a female sexuality that simply is, you know, what it is on its own terms, not adversarially, um, but without caring what people are going to think about it and judge it for being, right? And I think that there are two ways that the the Betty Davis, beyond the lyrics, um, sort of challenges that or, or speaks to it, both with uh, with her music and, again, with her lack of financial success. And the second one of those is easy to deal with. We can get rid of it very quickly, which is that... Um, if she was trying to sell herself right with her sexuality, sure. Uh, she did not do a very good job because (laughs) she was was in fact not in luck. She was not. in (laughs) Um, and by the time you get to the fourth album, which was never released, you have lyrics where she's talking about how, um, somebody, she says, they, she doesn't say who it is, but presumably like her agent or, or one of the, the Island records executives is telling her to tone her sexuality down so that they can make a little money. And she says, you know, fuck that basically that she's going to continue doing what she has been doing so if it was a pose, it was opposed that she was committed enough to that you know she refused to abandon it right that's an interesting
0: that's an interesting marker of legitimacy right of realness right a a, a position that is against commercial self-interest is seems to be more legitimate or more more real right more authentic uh than than something that's not for real
1: yeah, and although I feel very uncomfortable, like I said, thinking about Betty Davis in these terms, um, I don't have any kind of problem in my head, thinking about Miley Cyrus and saying like, well, all right." so she says that she's doing this stuff because it's empowering, or somebody out there has said that, right? Let's see her albums tank, right? Let's see her career fail, and see if she is then dressing the same way, doing the same gestures anyway, and then we will know if she is for real or not, right? No, see,
2: we won't see that counterfactual, because she will have changed and continue to be successful using that other thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly, and that's why... um, Um, that's why I would sort of suspect that probably uh, for her it, it is more of a pose you know um but Betty Davis was not going to do that. And then the uh, the second thing that's interesting is again the, like the full bore sonic assault that the music is, and that uh, her singing voice is, but that you know like every aspect of the music is. If you imagine counterfactual versions of the same songs, and it's really interesting because she actually like the beginning of her music career, she was trying to make it as a songwriter and like shopping songs around to various bands. I think there are some of the tracks I can't remember which ones off of that first album were written for. For the Commodores to perform And then they weren't interested in them So she just like, you know, decided to, to sing them herself um, So imagine like a very uh, smooth, demure version of if I'm in luck, I just might get picked up, right? Where, uh, where there's no breaking of the voice and the, uh, that repeated refrain, take me home with you, take me home with you, is, is literally just sort of like, you know, uh, take me home with you, take me home with you, rather than take me home, take me home. I can't, you know, obviously I can't do it. Um, and suddenly that pose of uh you know please find me acceptable sir becomes a lot more problematic right but it's hard to imagine uh I don't know. I'm I, I'm I'm having difficulty finding the perfect words for it, but I think you see what I'm saying, right? Well, yeah, I think that the important line, uh,
2: and I'm, I'm I say this in all utter seriousness. I feel like the crucial line in um, kind of parsing. If I'm in luck, I might get picked up. Is is I said I'm wiggling my fanny, um, and I, and why I think this is important um, is because like you know it, the fanny is not wiggling her, right? Like
0: that, um, oh, I think you going go in a different direction okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do a close reading of that line in a minute but, but it, finish finish it. Um, what you were no, saying no, but
2: i think that like i so it when it comes down to it as in so my read um and maybe this will be similar to your read but you know my read is that um you know that there that there is a a knowingness here right the way in which it is constructed um that there is a like actually and it's it's you know in some ways i read it And more when I listen to the song less closely, and then when you like read the lyrics closely, I'm not sure whether it disappears. But I think there's a knowingness that you know, in some ways, right? By setting the agenda of, um, like, there's an amount of agenda control that is going on here that is saying, yes, okay, so that there is a a dichotomy. There's a set of roles that says, you know, there are. Picker uppers, um, you know, men who are picker uppers and women who are the things that are picked up. But I see there being this kind of, um, kind of bit of agency within that of, uh, you know, knowing how this is set up, knowing what the game is. I'm going to, I'm going to play this game, and I'm going to get what I want, um, which is to um, get get picked up. And I think that in some ways, there's almost something kind of not exactly disingenuous but like if i like there she's you know leaving very little to luck right that, that in fact you know um, <laughs> right 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 that that, that 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 you know uh that that she's she's kind of you know uh has has a plan that is that is that is taking shape yeah exactly um,
0: three three words eight letters say them and i'm yours yeah. and by the way let me spell it for you <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah yeah absolutely but Matt, what was your what so, was your close reading? Right,
0: like the, the I think that she sort of calls out like I said uh, before each of these lines, right? Like I said, I'm wiggling my fanny, or I said uh, I said if I'm in luck, I just might get picked up, right? And though though that like that I said is is. Um, is sort of empty of, of Semantic content If you were to sort of be pedantic About it and take it seriously right? She's not, she's not making the claim That she is wiggling her fanny She is making the claim that She said she's wiggling her fanny And that Like that, that sort of zooming out One level of abstraction To uh, the lyrics of the song Are, are claims about A reality situation are, are claims about claims about a reality situation Right? Rather than being, um... Rather than being actual rather than being sort of first order claims about a reality situation foregrounds the constructedness of the of the persona. Right. Like, I'm not I'm not the person who is wiggling her fanny. I'm the person who says she's wiggling her fanny and she's uh, she's um, vamping and tramping. And, and you can you can say uh, you can say whatever you can say whatever you want about her.
1: There's a, a booty is wiggling but that's not me. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's interesting. There, there is this, like, this notion of what you say about what's going on being really important that comes back over and over in all of these songs. Um, so that, like, uh, Whereas I go in with this, there's one song that I didn't ask you guys to listen to off the second album called Don't You Call Her No Tramp, which is um, like, th- that's the refrain, it's like, don't call her, uh, don't use this word on her. Right. And there's a, a very interesting line in it where she says, um, and when you catch her with your best friend, slap that gal's face. But don't you call her no tramp. As if, like, you know, the, the physical action, which by any standard we would say is like that's a much, much worse thing to do to somebody, um, matters less to Betty Davis than the sort of the storytelling aspect of it. Um, and, uh, and like, actually, if you go through the later albums especially, the recounting of sexual adventures that you get a little bit in number one and number two um, sort of goes away. And instead you get songs that are about the reputation that she has yeah. achieved. Um, and about how, like, there are certain words that she would like to be called and certain, like, epithets that she is fine with and then others that she is not fine with. Even He Was a Big Freak right like sure. it's not saying that this is something that's happening now she's like telling her story of the relationship right
0: yeah it's a, it's also like in in he was a big big freak there are all these sort of there are all these sort of aspects of identity performance right like i was i was a geisha i was it, rosie may and the idea of or uh when i was when i was uh good or when i was a sweetheart when we were like sweet together he called me rosie may so there's this this aspect of like a relationship being a succession a succession of performances for an audience of one right that uh and what you sort of what you 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 sort of understand what you sort of mutually understand the the performance to be and you sort of mutually engage in these these kind of dyadic performances. Um, This is how this is the material of uh, of a relationship or at least of a liaison. Right. Like this is how it it proceeds. And these are the terms under which uh, under which it progresses.
2: I think yeah, another I'm- song or that that um that does that plays with that really interestingly is the anti love song as well um because you know she she says um you know uh, like I don't want to love you because I know how you are um and she then goes on further to say, you know 'cause I know you could possess my body, I know you can make me scrawl um you know i, I know you could do all these things, but then she flips it and says um that uh because uh you know I could possess your body too don't you uh you know that I could make you crawl um and and just as hard as I'd fall for you boy well you know you'd fall for me harder right is that like is this interesting like it starts kind of um you know one way but then it then she kind of flips the script and and kind of builds out both sides of the uh, the relationship as this kind of you know Epic world ending. I don't know for whatever reason I kept um envisioning the um the video game the eighties video game rampage uh, that's like two <laughs> you know like two two big monsters like like duking it out in like the burning wreckage of a city and I just see like I just see the song as like sexual rampage basically.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. I think that though um the, the sort of the claim about uh, identity is this series of performances is maybe even a little bit stronger than that because if you look at um. Miller Shoes, which is maybe my favorite song of hers. This one isn't really about a romantic relationship. It's sort of watching uh, this woman um, who has many similarities to Betty Davis that we could talk about, but it is a third-person character, sort of like, careen and crash and burn through the landscape of, like, 1970s, the 1970s music scene. And it's full of these things saying that, like, uh, first she was this, like, she becomes a a dancer, becomes a, a harlot, Uh, becomes a black diamond queen. Uh, Music men write songs about her, some sad and sweet, some sad and very mean. So there are all these different, like, personas and ones that she creates for herself and ones that other people create for her. Um, But then one of, like, the key lines in it is that uh, she could have been anything that she wanted, but instead she chose to be nothing. Comes up two times in the song. Um, And you get the sense that, like, underneath all of these different personas that you can put on um there's a very kind of like um absent uh core to it all um and that, that's like the the real if we want to find something dark about it it's not so much the like the sexualization but the question of like if you take away the sexualization and it's clear that you could take it away then what's there beneath it right mm-hmm.
2: Well, that's interesting, right? That like the just the choice of words that she chose to be nothing—not that she did not choose to be anything, right? Sure. Um, yeah. And I, and like I think it, that that's
1: yeah. Go ahead. At least it was her doing it, right? Right.
2: Right. Well, and then what was chosen was nothingness, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are we done let's <laughs> so see how long we can ride that out
2: right?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, sorry i felt I felt the need to i felt the need to fill no, up no, space, no, no. you know I
2: mean, like you know because this is a very funky podcast, it's all about spaces, it's about spaces and 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 rhythm so if you speed this up uh uh in time, there's actually a really intricate syncopation right and so that yeah. like is like a real like leap um you I had, had you know I had a- you
0: a music theory TA in college who once pointed out that syncopation actually, it's not necessarily off beats because it makes you feel the beat more by, by its absence. Right. <laughs> like if you, if there's a big hit on the 16th note before a downbeat or something like that, you kind of, you kind of like fall on that, on that downbeat. And there's this kind of like expected pulse that doesn't happen. And through its absence, kind of, you feel it, uh, you know, you feel it, uh, all the more. Right. So that, Yeah
1: syncope means literally gap right huh so you know it's it's about the experimental noises that you don't collect really yeah right Right. fall into the syncope
2: (laughs) 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 Um,
0: well i guess there's going to be a syncope of 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 a week until we come back with the next uh with the next episode um I'm not sure we totally know what it's going to be yet, but uh, if you haven't listened to, if you haven't listened to Betty Davis, uh, you might, I think the less attention drawn to these things in terms of, of linking to them and like passing page rank and, and, you know, um, getting them onto the radars of like the Google algorithms and YouTube and the content ID people, uh, the the less of that, the better. But uh, if, if, if you were to look around for, for some Betty Davis, Davis music. Um, if you, you were know to...
2: how to use the internet, yeah, you would... Or a record store. Pay, you know, go. This, this would be an awesome thing to find on vinyl. So you know, go to the record store in your town and link, th- li- leaf through the funk or soul sections. Um, that's the homework for this week. Yeah. Go to a record store. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. I'm uh, actually
2: serious. I would love to yeah. have any of these albums on vinyl. Um, they're all freaking awesome looking. Um, <laughs> Like the only like <laughs> Betty Davis and Roxy Music are the two bands that have the most sexy ladies on the cover.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the um, uh, yeah, that that was the criterion. I think the last time I was in an Urban Outfitters, and there was a big uh, there was a big album section with with all these, these vinyl records <laughs> with uh, with the word indie. <laughs> at the top of at the top of the display uh to denote the genre of the genre of music and i, I walked in i took a cell phone picture of of the you know indie urban outfitters I think you sent display. that to me right I, did i text did i text that <laughs> I to think you so it's, like it's all it's all over <laughs> indie, indie is is over
2: Right. I mean, that is the, that is the, uh, like, well, the funny thing is because there was there weren't any other dividers, right? Like it, it wasn't like country. Uh,
0: or- <laughs> no, there, there was no country. <laughs> there was no country. It was like, is indie is the only, is the only music, uh, that's available at Urban Outfitters. Um, right. So uh, we will yeah, be go to a record store. Yeah, go to go to uh, go to a record store. Actually, you could buy anything uh, look. If you could find Pet Sounds on vinyl, you know, you would probably become the coolest of all your friends. Yeah, uh, but
2: don't get that one at. You could probably also get that at Urban Outfitters. <laughs> uh, don't do that. <laughs> then you'll be the least cool of all your friends. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> that's that's definitely that's definitely been a meta goal of this podcast is is making you the coolest of all of all your friends. Uh, and the most real. Well, uh, gentlemen, it has been real. Uh, and we will be back next week with more TFT podcast.